Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come here at Charlestown Road. Roger, usually we will reach back on Wednesdays, just a few days to Sunday mornings and reflect on the Sunday morning sermon. It's a great way in the middle of the week to allow the seed of God's word to sink just a little deeper into our hearts. But every once in a while, there's a sermon that really seems to strike a chord with people. And that was true of a sermon you delivered on a Sunday night about a week and a half ago, you preached about the seasons of parenting. Yeah, and it was a cold winter night, but it's it's one of those lessons that seems to connect with everybody in the audience. Parenting and our families is something that's so important to all of us. We see the darkness of the world around us today, and we want our families to be godly and safe and kind of connecting to our theme of finish what was started. We're looking at different layers. So I decided to talk about the idea of parenting, but from the standpoint of how parenting changes. I think sometimes as parents, we don't realize that through the years, our roles change. And once you're a parent, you're always a parent, but that role changes. You can't quit. You can't go and resign. But there's some great lessons to learn from that. We began that that sermon from Psalms 127, where the Bible tells us, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. And so we began this sermon by looking at seasons. And we understand this from the natural world. There's spring, there's summer, there's fall, and there's winter. And each season brings challenges. Each season brings blessings. There's a growing season. And you can't wait till the dead of winter to plant because things won't grow there. And those who understand that will really benefit from that. So we looked at and took that format and used that in the area of parenting. We start about spring, and that's when children are young, and they come into the world knowing absolutely nothing. They come with nothing. They don't even come with a diaper. (laughs) And you have to name them. You have to teach them how to talk. And everything comes from the parents. The parents are the first school. They're the first connection to God, the first understanding of authority, just just a long list of things. And so in that spring season is when the parent is really emphasizing the teaching, the teaching and the training, and how valuable that is. Well, that moves very quickly into summer. And by summer, the children are growing, and that little boy becomes a young man, that little girl becomes a young lady. They start getting to the idea of driving cars and getting jobs and dating. And it's in the summer that the parent role shifts from teaching to reasoning. You now start explaining things, and you put some emphasis behind things, and you give some explanation. And as Deuteronomy with chapter 6 would remind ancient Israel, when they rise up in the morning to the end of the day, as you go about the places, you're always going to be talking about the Word of God. You're instilling in them the Word of God, and that's just a valuable lesson for us. Well, that then moves into fall. 
And in the fall, again, the roles of parenting change. By now, your kids are out of the house. They have their own, what I, what we call big boy job. <laughs> and they may have a mortgage. They may be married. They may have their own children. And they themselves may be in a spring of parenting. You're still a parent. But now the roles have changed. Now you become more of an advisor or a counselor. You can't tell a grown child that he needs to do this and do that because he's got his own life. He's left mother and father. And so your role as a parent shifts and it changes. And then from that, we move into winter. And in the winter, we see that the child often parents the parent. And it's in the winter time where we see the fruit of all that we have done comes about. First uh, Timothy five verse four would remind them to make a return to their parents. The idea that they have taken care of you now it's your turn to take care of them. And and so what we see as we look at this through seasons is we see that the role shifts and changes. Those that don't understand that oftentimes have relationship troubles and there's difficulties. And sometimes if you keep kicking that can down the road, you, you get a grown person, but he hasn't never been learned, has never been taught about responsibility or the idea of, of being a good steward. And so, so these are just some uh, fundamental principles that we've looked at as we try to talk about the seasons of parenting. I would most certainly, if you've not had the opportunity to watch or to listen to that sermon. It is freely available at charlestownroad.org and in our sermon podcast feed. Remember, it was not this past Sunday. It was a week and a half ago, but most certainly worth your attention and and your reflection on those those powerful ideas. Uh, Roger, just a couple of follow-ups as we reflect on that, and I appreciate you rehearsing for us those four seasons. I have had, I'm sure you've had, um, young parents say something to me along the lines of, well, I I don't really like what my little kid is doing, but I think it's important to allow them to do what they want to do now. I'm I'm really hesitating to say no or not now or wait. What what is the danger of allowing spring to be dictated by a little heart and then maybe later on trying to tell that person uh, much older what they ought to be doing on the right and wrong front? You know, from the parent perspective, you want to be your child's best friend <laughs> and just to be honest, put the cards on the table. In spring and summer, you're not going to be. Yeah, you okay? can't afford to be. You, you're just not going to be. Best friends usually have no rules, and best friends usually never say no. You have to do that as a parent. Now you get into fall and you get into winter. Yeah, that 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 role changes, and you do become very close to your child. But but during the teaching time and during the reasoning time, there's just so much that you're dealing with, especially in the summertime when when we get that their child is is out of the house more. He's going to school, and he may have his job, and there's a lot of voices now that that's coming into his mind, coworkers and teachers and students, and everyone has an opinion, and all these things he's hearing, and to understand that your voice is is the one that's going to help him the most and God's voice 
The word of God is supreme to all things. So, you know, to, to just say, well, I don't want my child not to like me. I don't want him to be unhappy. So I'm going to let him have his way. It's going to lead to spoiling him. And the book of Proverbs deals that, deals with that concept oftentimes. And it comes back and haunts you because that child becomes selfish rather than a servant. And then all his life, he's going to be demanding. And then when you get into the fall, he's going to be demanding. When you get into the winter and you're needing him to help you, he's not going to do that because he's demanding that you do things for him. So, so it's important to understand that you don't always get your way. Not every day is a happy day. Uh, I remember as a parent when my kids were small, I remember one day coming in and one of them just said, I'm bored. I said, great. <laughs> There's a rake out there. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I, I can kill boredom. Let's go. You know, and they don't like to hear things like that. But it's good for them to learn responsibility and and to do things. You, you don't want to pay your child for every job he does. I'm going to pay you to make your bed. I'm going to pay you to do your homework. I'm going to pay you for this and this and this. Um, th- that gets, again, into a, a deadly trap you don't want to get into. Because in life, as they learn as an adult, you don't get paid for everything. I don't get paid to take out the trash. No. Uh, and, and mama doesn't get paid to do the laundry. No. So, so they have to learn that there's jobs in life that you don't get paid for, but you have to do them. So this is what's going on in spring and summer. And during spring and summer, there's going to be times where they're going to challenge you and they may not like you for a while because you know, you won't let them have their way. You know, if they had their way, they'd have chocolate milk and M&M for breakfast. <laughs> and before they're too old, they're pulling out all their teeth because that's not going to work. So, so you have to appreciate that you are the parent and you need to parent. And again, the book of Proverbs is a great place because all through it, it talks about the role of the parent and the things that should be done. All right. So what I hear you saying, and I, I would completely agree, in the springtime... I said so, or because I said so, ought to carry a great deal of weight, right? I, I, I'm not best friends with my child. I am their parent, and I said so ought to be enough in the springtime. Now, you've highlighted the difference, uh, some similarities between spring and summer, but what happens if all that I ever say, let's say to a teenager in the summertime is, well, because I said so. Is that enough? Or you've brought up the idea of reasoning. How is reasoning different from because I said so. Because now, now you're you're putting some foundation blocks behind it. Um, you know, why, why can't I go to this party with my friends? Well, here's why: because some of your friends have been known to get in trouble. Some of your friends may not be the type of people you should have. We should talk about why they're your friends anyway. We should be doing that. And and so now you're going to build you're going to build these foundation stones from God, and you're building a platform for them to have their own faith and to be thinking for themselves about these things. And that's where you're using reason. You're going to use scripture more during this time period. You're going to use the idea that well, we don't do what everyone else does. 
God calls us to be disciples, and we need to do what God wants us to do. We're not going to be the bully at school. And when the bully approaches us, we're not going to deck him. I mean, that's what, that's what everyone else does. That's what the movies does. We don't act that way. We're going to do what God wants us to do through this. And so, so the, you know, the end result may be the same. You're, tra- you're trying to shape a behavior, but now your approach is different. And it's in this reasoning section that sometimes they throw it back at you and they counter reason. And well, here's why. And then you being the parent, again, it's not because I said so. It's because I've got the wisdom and experience of God. My wisdom, my experience is going to come with all kinds of foundational blocks and that's what they have to see. Yeah, that that reasoning thread makes me think of the language in Acts 24, verse 25, where Paul reasoned with Felix about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. I mean, there it is, right? There, There is a right way to live. There is a right way to learn to control myself. And there's a, a right standard to which God is going to, to hold me. And so in the springtime, maybe the, the, the easiest way of thinking about it is I'm, I'm working on the will of that child, right? Whereas in the summer, using reasoning, now I'm really looking to inform and shape that heart and that conscience. And, and what you're trying to get him to do is think for himself, yeah, rather than just being told. Okay, I, I want him to have open eyes. I want him to to think about things before he says something. I want him to realize there are consequences. And you just don't blurt out anything because you hurt people's feelings. And so so the the reasoning season is when you're trying to get him to mature on the inside. That, that's really what we're driving at here, the maturity, the responsibility part. All right. I, I heard you talk about counter-reasoning. Uh, what would you say to the dad or the mom who, okay, they're trying to reason with, a let's say, a teenage son, and that teenage son counter reasons, well, I know you did this, so why aren't you letting me do it now? Well, again, a lot depends upon what that is, okay, number one. <laughs> but, you know, as as parents, I think to a certain degree, we need to be transparent, and we need to let them know that uh, I needed a Savior because I sinned. Yeah. I made mistakes, and I'm trying to keep you from the same mistakes. I don't want you to have to have the trouble that I had. And there's no need for both of us to make the same mistakes. And so, yeah, I did some things. I said some things. I, were at pl- I was at places I shouldn't have been. Maybe I was at parties that I didn't belong to. Maybe, you know, whatever, this or that. Maybe I wore outfits that, that were not modest. And, and so, yeah, I've done some of that. And, you know, they may say, well, it didn't hurt you and say, yeah, it did. It did. It hurt, it hurt my image of God. It hurt my relationship with God. It, it, it didn't help me win people to Jesus. And when they, when they start hearing you being honest like that, that helps a little bit more. Sometimes, especially in the spring season, our kids can look at us and think we were perfect. We never did anything wrong. And that, that can be a big downfall because they're stumbling along, they're making all kinds of mistakes, and they think, I can never be perfect like you. Well, 
it helps them to understand the reason we take the Lord's Supper is because we needed a Savior, and we too are not perfect. Yeah. What would you say, obviously, with every sermon, you can only talk about so much. But as I was listening to to your sermon a week and a half ago, one of the things that just briefly crossed my mind um, what would you say to the adoptive parent, someone who didn't adopt maybe an infant, even though that's not their biological child, they are still very much starting in the spring of life, but we know and love people who have adopted older children, and so they are immediately starting in summertime. Now that everybody recognizes there are certain challenges that are going to come with that. How would you encourage them? Yeah, and you know we, we appreciate that. We love those who adopt. It's it's just a, you know, I think that's the the answer for abortion is is to have people adopting. That's that's a powerful thing. We have it within our family, and we're firm believers in that. And and when you have adopted somebody, that child comes with all kinds of background, uh, based on the age, what kind of experiences he's been through. Sometimes some, if they're young, they haven't had much. But if they're older, like you say, it's a summer season, and that's when you get them in your home, they already have a history behind them. Some of that may not have been good. Some of it may have been some abuse and neglect and, and some harm in there. And, and what you have to really instill upon them is that you're different. You're not like everything they had in the past. This is not just another, you know, adopted family. This is not just another foster home and I'll be here a little bit and I'm going to be passed on. You really generate that love. And you really pour yourself into their lives. And you really try to get them to see through your example that there is a better way. And, you know, I think a great lesson, uh, a reasoning lesson during this time is to realize that God has adopted us. And we had a past. And we had all kinds of issues. And God forgave us and gave us a new chance. And that's what I'm trying to do with you and trying to get you to see that there is a better way. A lot of, a lot of conversations, uh, a lot of openness, a lot of talking, but, uh, you know, just, just to get them to see that this is home. You're not going to go anywhere else from here. And, you know, we're not going to do this for a few months and turn you back over to someone else. This is home. We love you. Here's, here's the relationship and start building and building and building. Get them to see the value of worship as you take them there. Get them to know kids from the congregation. And, and I, I think all of that kind of helps strengthen this idea that you're, you're there for them and you're there for the long haul and you see some goodness that's going to come out yeah, of that. Yeah. All of this makes me think of how groundbreaking it was when in the heart of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, You know, I have... I don't think I've ever talked with a parent who's been a parent longer than <laughs> even just a few weeks who who wouldn't say one way or another, you know, I, I've made some mistakes. I, I wish there were things that I had done differently. And especially, I would imagine, as you move into the fall and the the winter seasons of parenting, it is easy to look back and and see your own flaws as a parent, see very apparently the flaws of your children. But what a, an incredible blessing 
to recognize that our creator wants us to look to him as father. His son taught us to pray to him as our father. And so whatever the experience was, whatever the experience presently is, that's our anchor point, right? Our father who is in heaven. And and what's interesting, that phrase, father used of God, is used very little in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, that is the most common expression Jesus used to talk about God. Uh, On the cross, he'd say, my God, my God. But most times, he'd use the expression, my father or our father. And the idea of our father includes us with him. And and we we understand that we understand the idea he he's not the the keeper of the uh, the prison he's not he's not the keeper of the zoo he he's more than the Almighty there's a relationship with Father it means we belong it's 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 a family and that that's just a, a profound statement that Jesus was saying address him as our Father the seasons of parenting. It was preached by Roger on Sunday evening, January 22nd. If you haven't had the time to watch or listen to that sermon, I would most certainly encourage you to do that. Roger, I appreciate you reaching a little further back than we typically do and talking through that with us. We appreciate all of you listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It's Wednesday. We'd love to see you this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 